Chapter 3, My Journey in Him I remember sitting in a church service and the minister asked the crowd, if you could ask God for one thing and know you would get it now, what would it be? It was an interesting question and I gave it some thought. The minister went around the room with his microphone getting responses. I heard someone say, healing. Others said, wisdom, house, and car. As I listened, I was amazed that no one asked the question I so desirably wanted to know. Lord, what do you want me to do? Tell me what it is so I can do it. So I had two questions. What is my unique purpose? And two, how to hear you. The microphone never came to me, but these questions never left me. I asked people who I perceived to be stronger in the faith, and they responded with, just pray and ask him. That seemed simple enough. But how do I know when he responds? I wanted a clearer answer. Go here and do XYZ, then next week do ABC. Was I asking for too much? Or should I just do what I think and hope he would guide me from within? This is what this book is all about. How to hear him and do what he has called us to do. One night, as I pondered on this question, I went on my knees. And I asked my Heavenly Father, What do you want me to do? I was expecting an audible voice and was also scared just in case he did respond. Imagine kneeling next to the bed with the lights off, the house quiet, and the only sound is the sound of your breath in the silence. I remember thinking at the time, if God spoke audibly, whether it was soft or loud, it would have made no difference. I would literally have fainted. There was no audible voice, yet I felt a sense of peace, as if he was standing in the room with me, as if he had given me the answer. For months my prayer included, tell me what you want me to do. I kept listening for his audible voice, but heard nothing. I soon became despondent and said, Lord, are you there? Show yourself to help me believe. The next day, while I was reading the Bible, I came across a passage where Thomas asked for the very same thing I had asked the previous night, and Jesus responded, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I don't believe in coincidence, and he had answered my question about seeing him. But what about my original question? What do you want me to do? I kept asking and looking for direction, his direction, not mine. When I made important decisions, I knew when they were right or wrong, but I couldn't explain nor understand why. I just knew. Whether it was immigrating to another country, changing careers, changing jobs, finding a spouse, choosing friends, buying a house or car, I always asked my Heavenly Father, Is this your will? I never received an audible response. Neither did someone tell me, Thus says the Lord, nor some special feeling. Now sometimes, on rare occasions, I opened my Bible and the answer was in the very passage I was reading, but this wasn't the norm. I typically received a yes and no witness from within, and most times I couldn't back it up with logic. I knew it was right, but didn't exactly know how or why I knew. Years later, I realized how God had spoken to me and the importance of being intimate, transparent, and honest with Him. Instead of taking me on a journey to discover my purpose, he took me to the root of all questions and motivations. God was saying, Know that I love you. Do you know how much I love you? Then the questions he asked me, Do you love me? How much do you love me? We love him because he first loved us. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth 
and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Know that God loves me and you. God loves us very much, and He expresses this in so many ways, either in the stillness of our prayer, or in the peace that surpasses all understanding, or when we look at love through the eyes of a child, or by showing us a beautiful sunset, or by hearing the raindrops fall outside, or... But the way that is beyond our imagination is when He sacrificed His Son to reconcile us back to Him through the blood of His Son. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Therefore, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God loves us so much that He will not forget us and will do everything possible to bring us to Him. But He will never violate our free will or will of choice. He even knows the number of hairs on our head. Oh, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Does God love me any less if I sin? When my children go against what I've just told them, do I love them any less? No, but I'm disappointed, and sometimes they reap the consequences of their own doing, but I love them just the same. As a parent, I don't want them to suffer, but can't continually protect them from their reoccurring bad choices. If they injure themselves, do I leave them outside to suffer when they're knocking to come in? No. Or if they're struggling to do something and they turn to me for help, do I ignore them? No. If they want a car, will I give it to them without knowing or testing them to ensure they're ready to drive and not hurt themselves? No. Do I want to see my children suffer, sick or poor? No. What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? So does God love me any less if I sin? No, for we have all sinned. And if some say they have not sinned, they lie. It is the goodness and mercy of God that led me and others to repent. God demonstrates His own love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So in spite of my sins, He died to reconcile me back to Him, because He loves me. All I need to do is repent and accept His plan. What a deal! Some people have the mistaken impression that God is standing over them with a whip, waiting for them to do something wrong. I found that the opposite was true. God is quick to forgive, quick to show mercy, quick to reward and slow to anger. His Word is good to help us. His Word is love in action. But why do I sometimes resist or fail? Could it be that I love myself more than I love Him? As a father, I tell my young children, don't touch the red plate. It's hot. It will make you sore. Don't touch it. To a young child, it looks enticing, so red and brilliant looking. It isn't fire, so it can't be that hot. I repeat myself because I love them and don't want them to get hurt. The firstborn says, okay, while thinking I'm a spoil sport. I'm ruining her fun, but she won't touch it just in case daddy reprimands her. The second one says okay, but thinks she knows best when I'm not looking, and she touches it, then screams in pain, thinking I was the one who did it. The thirdborn will continue to nag, please, 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 for 45 minutes, until I say, okay, okay, touch it, but Daddy has warned you. 
Then I turn down the heat while trying to protect him from the full impact, so he feels some of the pain without the full consequences. Then he still blames me. Now you're probably thinking, what kind of a parent are you? One who loves my children and wants the best for them. The point is, the root of their response is what they believe, that they know more than me, that they trust themselves more than me, because they love themselves more than me. Am I not the same towards God, my Heavenly Father? Do I resist His Word or hesitate to obey? Do I look for loopholes trying to avoid parts in His Word? Let me pause here and ask you, what kind of child are you with God? One who believes God's Word is sapping your fun? Or one who believes God's Word is a suggestion with lots of elasticity in it? Or one who believes God's Word has no impact on the current situation? Or one who trusts God's Word beyond natural comprehension and is happy for it, knowing that He loves and wants the best for you? So how much does God actually love me, you? What is that level? He is in my midst. The Mighty One will save. He will rejoice over me with gladness. He will quiet me with His love. He will rejoice over me with singing. Jesus confirms that His Father loves Christians, Christ ones, just as much as He loves Jesus Christ Himself. Is there any greater love? Love God Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your passions and desires, with all your soul, your decisions, with all your mind, your thoughts and understanding, and with all your strength, your effort and time. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. For love for God is the basis for our obedience. When I love someone, I want to make them happy by doing the things I know pleases them. If this is common sense, how much more with God? How can I love God, know He loves me, and surrender my heart to His Son Jesus? He will help me love. What does surrender to His Son look like? Give my ambitions, hurts, desires, passions to Him. Jesus said, He who finds His life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. When we are prepared to lose our life in what Jesus wants, then we find it. Jesus is the key to loving God and feeling His love. So how much should we love Jesus? What is that level? Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I remember the very first time I met my wife and how I tried to find out everything about her so I could impress her. My mind was consumed by thinking about her, but as the years went on, not as much. Yes, my love for her was deeper, but she wasn't continually on my mind as at first. You're probably laughing because you're there too. However, Jesus tells us to remember him as our first love. Why? Because if Jesus is our first love, we will continually be thinking about Him. Then we will automatically do the will of God. As I searched the Scriptures asking, How can I prove to God that I love Him? Jesus said, If you love Me, keep My commandments. He who has My commandments and keeps them is He who loves Me. And He who loves Me will be loved by My Father. And I will love Him and manifest Myself to Him. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. 
By this, we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Makes sense. If my motivation is to love God, I will automatically walk in His righteousness and walk expanding the kingdom of God. Thus, doing His will is more our pleasure as this is what we have been designed for. What about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? A good understanding have all those who do His commandments. Fearing God is not a quivering tone when we speak to Him, nor is it some kind of holy fearful look. It means giving Him the honor and respect because He is the Creator and our Heavenly Father. I didn't create myself, nor can I determine when I'm going to die. Also, I would be arrogant and a fool to put any respect for others or myself above Him. He who created me, fearing God, is loving Him so much that we hate everything He hates and love everything He loves. I'm so honored when my children do the things I do and say the things I say. I don't mind them asking, "Dad, what do you mean by this?" or "How should I do this?" This means they care about what I'm saying and want to know more. But if they disregard my words and speak contrary to them, they dishonor me. Is the way I feel any different to the way God feels when I discount what He says? For example, I know the Bible says abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Is it bad to drink blood or eat wet, bloody meat, or do I ignore it because I like medium rare steak, or do I try to find other scriptures to support my liberty in Christ, picking and choosing what I follow, or do I abstain from it until I truly find out what God wants, whether I like it or not, respecting God's word? This is just an example. Another example: Do I help the poor or point my finger at them as if they deserve it? Do I see myself as God sees me? As his child, or do I see myself as the world sees me? Am I more than a conqueror in Christ, or a victim of situations? Do I know God loves me as much as He loves Jesus, or do I hope He loves me? Do I do what Christ says, like carrying the burdens of Christians, or do I keep focusing on my own burdens? Am I continually listening to His word, or continually listening to the advice of others? May I be a hearer and doer of His word? Both are important. Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me." As a side note, it's imperative to use a good study Bible that is more focused on translation and less on interpretation. When there's a deviation from the Greek, Hebrew, or Aramaic words, then those words are italicized to help the reader know what's been added. Another factor to consider is the source from which the New Testament is translated. Some fourth to fifth century sources, such as the critical text, leave out approximately three thousand Greek words. However, these same words that are missing are actually found in even earlier manuscripts: Aramaic text, Peshito and Peshita, both second century, and the Latin Vulgate, fourth century. And the same verses, such as Mark sixteen nine through twenty, are quoted in part by some of the early church leaders. For example, Papias one hundred A.D., Justin Martyr one fifty one A.D. Irenaeus 180 A.D. and Hippolytus 190 to 227 A.D. Thus, the closest Greek source text that represents this early period is the received text. Therefore, I recommend the following Bible translations: King James Version, YLT, LITV, NKJV, and Tyndale.